On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, a leasing option finally comes to Model 3. Tesla changes some Model 3 options by quite a bit once again. Also, a new bipartisan bill looks to extend the federal electric vehicle tax credit, but not without some modifications and much more. Howdy friends, Ryan McCaffrey with you for episode 193 of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast for April 14th, 2019. To my left, Daisy the Boxer Puppy, who is curled up in an adorable little puppy ball. Uh, I think she'll be asleep uh, momentarily. And uh, you will not be, though, I'm pretty sure, because this is one of the single busiest weeks of Tesla news that I can genuinely remember, period. I've got a dozen stories prepared for you this week, a dozen things that I want to go over. But first, a couple of quick housekeeping notes. Number one, uh, next week is uh, will be my vacation episode. So we, our family, we leave for our trip tomorrow. So it's next week that uh, I'll be gone and thus have that best of episode for you. If you didn't hear the end of last week's show, uh, take a listen to that. I go over sort of what you're going to get uh, there, so there is a show next week. Uh, I've already recorded it. It's actually being, it'll be uploaded by the time you hear this right now for Patreon early access folks. Those, the people at the uh, early access tier or higher, you can go ahead and listen to it anytime in the next two weeks. But for everybody else, it will go out on the normal time. So that'll be April 21st, the Sunday, of course, at 9 a.m. Eastern time, 6 a.m. Pacific. But uh, yeah, again, I, I really hope you like it. I welcome your feedback on it. Uh, it is a, a mix of something old, but probably new to you in the form of an old Elon Musk presentation from when, the, uh, when Tesla had their very, very first event at the Tesla factory in October of 2011. So almost a year before Model S production began, I, got, I was there. I recorded it. And I'm now sharing that with you. I, I dug it up in, from my archive. So anyway, hope you like that. Uh, if you want to learn more about what that is, listen to the end of last week's show. And again, I hope you enjoy it next week. Uh, meanwhile, the Patreon-exclusive bonus episode, you know, I do those every month for the people at the uh, monthly bonus episode tier or higher. Uh, that, that episode is so jam-packed. There were so many great calls uh, there was just the flood of, of you guys calling in after the Model Y event and, and the Model Y reveal that I wanted to get this one into everybody's ears if you want to hear it eventually. So uh, it's it's exclusive to the Patreon folks until May 1st. So I'm giving them the month, but this is this just this one episode. Um, I wanted to make sure to give everybody access to this. So on May 1st, that will unlock for everyone. You don't need a Patreon account. All you have to do on May 1st is go to my Patreon site, which is patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. So on May 1st, that will unlock for anybody. There'll be an MP3 download link, or you can just play it right there on the page. So there were so many, I think the count was, I believe there were 19 phone calls covering a wonderfully diverse swath of topics 
a lot of good discussion on that from thanks to the calls from all of you guys. So again, check that out if you're interested. And with that, let's move right into the dozen stories for this week. So much to get to. Headlined this week by more changes to Model 3's options, most notably that the base autopilot feature, the based autopilot package, is now included in every single Tesla, uh, except the standard. Uh, that's still $35,000. we are going to I'll get to that in a second. So yes, uh, what I'm inferring there is exactly what you're thinking, that prices are increased on everything, again, except that standard uh, Model S, which, excuse me, standard Model 3. Now, so the standard Model 3 is, is basically unchanged. The changes go into everything else. So the uh, standard plus Model 3 was $37,500. It's now $39,500. But it includes that base autopilot package that had been $3,000. So you're effectively, uh, it is a price increase, but you're getting a deal on the thing that's now a mandatory bundle, effectively. So you can kind of look at it either way, I guess. You're getting that base autopilot package for $2,000 if you want to upgrade to the self-driving package to get the rest of the uh, not only present-day autopilot suite, but future full self-driving stuff that remains a $5,000 option at the time of order or a $7,000 option after the fact, after delivery. Meanwhile, the aforementioned standard Model 3 is still available for $35,000, and it does not have the, the autopilot bundled with it, but it's going off menu. You're going to have to uh, call or visit a Tesla store in order to buy one. So the fact that it's going off menu means it's probably, and this is just me talking, I don't have any inside knowledge, this is not an official Tesla thing, but history suggests that it is going to disappear very soon altogether. That is, that is the eventual fate of things that go off menu. Uh, so if you do order it off menu, Tesla says, quote, Model 3 standard will now be a software limited version of the standard plus. And we are taking it off the online ordering menu, which just uh, which just means that to get it, customers, as I mentioned, will need to call us or visit any one of the several hundred Tesla stores. Here's this. Deliveries of Model 3 Standard will begin this weekend. That means right now, as you hear this. Its range will be limited by 10% compared to the Standard Plus they're talking about there. And several features will be disabled via software, including our onboard music streaming service, navigation with live traffic visualization, and heated seats. Similar to other software-limited vehicles produced in the past, standard customers will have the up option to upgrade to a standard plus at any time. Similarly, anyone who has already bought standard plus and wants to convert to standard is welcome to do so, and we will provide a refund for the difference in cost. So if you really wanted a standard, and you're, you've taken delivery of that Standard Plus, and you think, eh, you know what, I'd rather have that 2K back uh, in, in sacrifice of the features that I just mentioned. You can get that 2K back, and they'll just strip that stuff out of your car uh, from you know, removing it from your account. So there you go. Now, a couple of things here. Number one, the Standard Deliveries beginning this weekend. 
I had thought that that would be the case, that that, that was probably going to happen. I, I said on my, uh, was I guess two shows ago, the March 31st episode, that I thought that those the standard deliveries would start very early in the quarter, that you know they were, they were pushing the standard pluses uh, on up in order to make the Q1 numbers look as good as possible. So I'm very glad to see that standard deliveries are happening. Number two, the off-menu standard is now going to be exactly what I thought it was going to be in the first place, which is a software limited standard plus. So I guess it wasn't going to be that before, but nobody took delivery of one, so it is now. And thus, I guess I kind of <laughs> I kind of lucked into being right on that one. And uh, get this, Tesla says that the standard plus, since those orders for both opened up, remember that was February 28th, so uh, about a month and a half ago now, Tesla says that the Standard Plus was six times more popular than the Standard, far exceeding their expectations. This is their own words now. And I'll tell you, I mean, if you think about it, it's, it's really no surprise because uh, the Standard Plus, I think, relative to the Standard, is a way better value, most notably with that extra range, you know, an extra 20 miles of range, and the better interior for just $2,000 more. So uh, one last point on this, one last point. With the standard being technically available, but for all intents and purposes, not available anymore, uh, you know, Tesla, as I said, they're moving it off menu before a single standard has been delivered. This is a case, if you, like me, have been following Tesla for a while, this may seem uh, like deja vu to you, and in fact it is. History is repeating itself here. This exact same scenario happened with the Model S in 2012, the 40 kilowatt hour battery Model S. And right, if you're thinking, wait, what? What do you mean a 40 kilowatt hour battery Model S? Yes, it existed. That was the $50,000 Model S that Tesla had uh, originally and probably regretfully promised years before Model S went into production. They said, we're going to have a $50,000. It'll be half the price of our Roadster, $50,000. So they did build it, but they ended up barely getting any orders for it. At least that was what they said at the time. And they dropped that car very quickly. And I suspect those are unicorns. I doubt there are too many of those around. Uh, they, were, they were software locked 60s, I believe. Because back then... Uh, in the in the very first Model S days, you had the 60, well, and then the the 40, but primarily the the 60 kilowatt hour car, the 85, and the P85. The 40, if I remember right, only got like 160 miles of range. It was uh, it was not really what you think of when you think of a Model S. Certainly not now, but uh, but there you go. Yeah, history repeating itself. Now, there's another big change. There's actually a couple more changes. This one's a big one, and the next one I'm going to read you is, is, uh, is a smaller one, but, but good news. This one, I think, is not good news, and that is this. The long-range rear-wheel drive Model 3 is going away again for the second time. Uh, I wish I knew why. Tesla isn't saying. I, I mean, I, I, can't, I can't imagine that it's for a lack of demand, with, which I can believe with the standard because of the standard plus, but that is what Tesla is implying with the quote on their blog post. They said, quote, we're making these changes to ensure that our online order process is focused 
on the three Model 3 variants customers want most. So there is an inference there that it is uh, not being ordered nearly as much as, I guess, standard plus dual motor and performance. I have a hard time believing that there are more performance Model 3s being ordered than long-range rear-wheel drive variants, but so it is. Now, that car, the long-range rear-wheel Model 3, uh, pardon me if, if you've heard me say this before, but it is the single most efficient vehicle that Tesla has ever built. Uh, and, and arguably, or if, if that's not technically true, because I actually don't know the watt-hour per mile, I don't know the efficiency of the standard plus, or even potentially the standard with the, uh, you know, the 18-inch aero wheels, because the standard plus and the, well, actually both, the standard plus and the standard will have the same battery pack, and theoretically it should be a lighter battery pack because it has fewer cells than the long-range pack, so it's, it's a lighter car. But anyway, the point is, uh, I, I am very much of the opinion that the long-range rear-wheel drive Model 3 is, if not the most efficient vehicle Tesla's ever built, it's arguably the best bang-for-your-buck car that Tesla has ever made. Because it is truly incredible what that car offered for range relative to its price, again, with the caveat that you... you put and kept your 18-inch aero wheels and the caps on those wheels because that's such a, uh, a, a, basically a little level up to your efficiency. But uh, yeah, I mean, because you could get up until now, and I guess you can still order off menu for the time being, you can get a 330-mile range Tesla for less than $50,000 which is crazy when you compare that. I mean, the, the Model S that goes that far costs twice as much, if not more. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of money. It's a, it's a heck of a cost savings uh, on the Model 3 long range compared to a Model S. Now, yes, there are other benefits to the S and what have you, but just again, my point is I'm sorry to see the long range rear-wheel drive Model 3 go because it was a heck of a car, and I know there are a lot of happy uh, owners of that particular Model 3 out there. We'll see. Maybe it'll come back at some point in the future, but for now, it is uh, quietly receding into the shadows once again. And, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> why is Tesla doing this? Maybe Tesla heard the show uh, here about a month ago when they first unveiled the standard. And I, I remember mentioning then how crazy it seemed that the efficiency uh, minded Tesla was suddenly offering six? Six! Variants of the Model 3, but uh, anyway, the good news is, again, you can still order that long-range car off-menu, but for how long, I don't know. So get it if you're, if you're looking for it, go get it. And finally, the good news I promised with regard to the option pricing changes. Paint prices have gone down across the board only on the Model 3, though. They're unchanged on the S and the X, at least for now. Wait till next week. <laughs> you never know, week to week, with Tesla and their options. But the long and the short of it is the prices are down $500 on each color. Of course, the black is included, but then on everything else, on the metallics, it's $1,000 for uh, everything except pearl white, which is, you know, a multi-coat, and that is $1,500 down from $2,000. And multi-coat red was $2,500, and it is now back to $2,000, which is what it once 
It's it's cost this before. Now it's back to the $2,000 price point. So there you go on those. But that is hardly it for the big news just with Model 3 this week. For folks wondering when they can lease a Model 3, well, wonder no more. The time has arrived. Tesla announcing, quote, beginning today, customers in the U.S. will be able to lease Model 3 for a small down payment and competitive monthly payments. Customers can choose any Model 3 variant and select an annual mileage uh, option of 10,000, 12,000, or 15,000 miles. Please note, customers who choose leasing over owning will not have the option to purchase their car at the end of the lease, because with full autonomy coming in the future via an over-the-air software update, we plan to use those vehicles in the Tesla ride-hailing network. Customers can visit tesla.com slash three now to lease a Model 3, which just takes you to the design studio. Now, uh, real quick first, Tesla, very optimistic that the the Tesla network is going to be up and running in three years. Uh, That is... That would be substantial if they can make that kind of progress that quickly where they've got they've got the fleet and they've got they've got that up and running where you can actually, you know, send out your car autonomously into a ride sharing network to have it earn money for you. I mean, that does not feel like something that is only three years away, but I don't work at Tesla. I don't have access to, you know, what the what they're cooking up in the autopilot department. For all we know, you know, it's it could it could happen. So uh, that is very interesting. And take it maybe take it with a grain of salt for now. File it away to see if if uh, they are indeed able to achieve that within three years. But it's cool. I mean, I love the optimism. Don't get me wrong. Now, as for the pricing on this, I took a quick look. If you were to order a base thirty nine thousand dollar five uh, pardon me thirty nine thousand five hundred dollar standard plus model three in black without the full self-driving package, so just base, 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 it's going to cost you $3,000 down and $504 per month for the three-year, 10,000-mile-per-year uh, lease. Uh, quick word to the wise, though. If you are thinking about doing this, you may want to consider bumping up one mileage category higher than what you think you want. Because I've seen this with so many people, myself included, in the Tesla community. Once you get a Tesla, you really, and I'm serious, I'm being dead serious. I know, that I'm, I know I'm a fanboy, but there's, again, there's just documented cases of this throughout the community. You're going to want to drive it a lot more than you think you will. Because you're going to have a great time. You're going to have fun. You're going to want to take road trips. So if you're thinking that about that 10,000 mile a year lease... Maybe consider bumping up to the 12, and same thing if you're thinking the 12, maybe go to the 15. But in any case, I know it's that's a lot easier said than done. There's a lot of financial considerations, but uh, 504 per month with $3,000 down on just a, a you know the base version of this leasing situation. And I'm just glad this is finally an option because I've had plenty of people call in or write in about this this very topic since the Model 3 launch. So hopefully this can now help get more people in a Model 3 sooner rather than later. Next up this week, Fiat Chrysler has turned to Tesla for a bit of help. Tesla Roddy reports, quote, 
Tesla and Fiat Chrysler have entered into a deal to help the legacy automaker weather strict European Union emissions regulations that are set to take effect next year, according to a report published by the Financial Times. This arrangement is the first of its kind and is estimated by one Wall Street firm, so this is just an estimate, but to equate to $500 million or more worth of credits to Tesla from Fiat Chrysler over the next two to three years. Beginning in 2020, 95% of automotive fleet-wide emissions in the European Union must average under 95 grams of CO2 per kilometer, i.e. have a fuel efficiency of about 57 miles per gallon for internal combustion engine vehicles. In 2021, full fleets must be compliant and the penalties could add up to financial ruin for companies unable to meet the strict standards. The EU rules further allow different auto companies and divisions to pool together to form an uh, expanded fleet, thus averaging out emissions across larger numbers of vehicles. Companies with existing low or zero emissions divisions can combine with their higher emissions divisions to meet the standards, or if the benefit outweighs the awkward arrangement, they can combine with companies like Tesla, whose all-electric zero emissions fleets would provide significant average emissions reductions. Thank you. Tesla Roddy. Uh, they con- con- conclude by saying that Tesla did offer its open pool deal to other auto manufacturers, but the Italian American car maker was the only one with an arrangement by Tesla's March 25th deadline on this. So basically, Tesla opened the doors and said, All right, if you're interested, you got till March 25th, give us a call. Only Fiat Chrysler did that. Now, if you're familiar with the ZEV credits, that Tesla has previously traded in with other manufacturers here in the U.S., this seems to be pretty similar to that over in Europe. And I'll tell you, I wonder if this deal, and of course the EU emission standards, will maybe help nudge Fiat Chrysler toward a more electric vehicle-centric future because unfortunately they've not exactly been embracing EVs so far. The Fiat 500e is a compliance car, and don't take my word for it, they've straight up admitted that in the past. I remembered that quote, it stuck in my head when I was doing this story, when I was putting this, my notes together here, and so I found the old quote, I dug up the old quote, it's from 2014, and it's from Fiat Chrysler uh, Chief Executive Sergio Marchionne, and he said, and I quote, of the 500e, I hope you don't buy it because every time I sell one, it costs me $14,000. And he said that to an audience. So there was there were people in the room <laughs> at the Brookings Institution. Uh, he was so he was uh, you know having, he was speaking there. He says I'm honest enough to tell you that. Well, you did okay, but I will say for what it's worth. There are a lot of Fiat 500Es around the Bay Area, specifically around San Francisco proper. They're because they're very city-friendly cars. They're tiny. You know, obviously Tesla doesn't currently make an electric vehicle that that would be considered compact. Uh, And and just you know, kind of a finishing up my my Fiat uh, rather or specifically Chrysler thoughts on this. I've long said I've said uh, for a while on this show, whenever it has come up, which admittedly isn't often, but. I really think if you just kind of take a look, you know, you guys know me, I like to pull back and look at the 10,000 foot view of things. I think it can be very instructive for for looking at 
the bigger picture and the, the future. And if when you do that, at least when I do that, you know, if it the way things shake out in 10 to 20 years from now, there is a very good chance as as electrification and autonomy becomes become both become a bigger and bigger and more important part of transportation in general, that in 10 to 20 years from now, I think there's a very good chance that at least one of the legacy quote unquote big three automakers in the United States could bite the dust and Tesla would take their place as as one of the big three. And at, sitting here now, I am of the opinion that Chrysler is likely going to be the odd one out of that group. And I, and honestly, I don't say that with any malice whatsoever. I, I just look at their product lineup and their progress on electrifying their fleet or lack thereof. And they, they just seem like they're more so than Ford or GM. I feel like they're the ones that are more likely to get blackberried or Kodak'd than, than Ford or GM. But the bottom line for now, at least is that this deal between Tesla and Fiat Chrysler will provide a nice influx of cash for Tesla. Next this week, speaking of credits, while we're on the subject of credits, the closest that we've come yet to the federal government reinstating the federal tax credit on electric vehicles, well, I suppose in the Tesla world, we would call it reinstating for everyone else who hasn't, who's mostly not tapped into it, Nissan and, and GM are really the only other two, it's uh, more like modifying the program, but there is a bipartisan bill currently on the table that would extend the tax credit out to 400,000 vehicles per manufacturer before that phase-out triggers, which is, of course, double the 200,000 that it is now. Um, it would tweak things regardless of how you want to look at it, though. This comes via Reuters, and they report, quote, The bill, dubbed the Driving America Forward Act, would grant each automaker a $7,000 tax credit for an additional 400,000 vehicles on top of the existing 200,000 vehicles eligible for $7,500 tax credits. It would shorten the phase-out schedule to nine months rather than, uh, I guess it's... It's a year now. The bill is backed by major automakers, including GM, Tesla, Toyota, Ford, Fiat, Chrysler, Honda, BMW, Nissan, Volkswagen, uh, etc. And Reuters says the bill is sponsored by Democratic Senators Debbie Stabenow, uh, I'm sorry, if Debbie, if I'm Senator, if I'm mispronouncing that, and Gary Peters, Republican Senators Lamar Alexander and Susan Collins, and Democratic Representative Dan Kildee. So, it's effectively, I mean, when you look at it from a Tesla perspective, it's effective, it would effectively extend the phase out uh, by adding in a production-based phase out as well as a time-based phase out. If this passed and got signed into law, and I honestly don't know the odds of that, I, I just really couldn't sit here and predict it. I think it's a good sign that there is, there is a bipartisan there's bipartisan support for this, and, and that's who's, you know, there's a bipartisan uh, authorship to it. But uh, Tesla would be able to give its new customers access to $7,000 federal tax credits up through their 600th 
600,000th vehicle or so. Uh, well, actually, I guess more than that, uh, because they're, they're already, Elon said this week, they're at about 400,000 uh, in, I guess, I don't know. Anyway, they got another 400,000 to go in the USA, in the USA, which, granted, uh, that's probably not going to last too long. That, that's about a year of full production, and that's without the Model Y. That's a year of, of that's 2019's production, basically. Now, uh, of course, not all of 2019's production is going to the United States, not even close. So, uh, you know, half or more, though, is going to the United States, probably. I, I think that's about the ratio that it's traditionally been. So, uh, yeah, it's another 400,000 wouldn't last too long, but it would sure be better than nothing. And, uh, you know, I just want to end this by, by noting that, as always, with these types of legislative situations, if you would like to show your support for this bill, I encourage you to re uh, reach out to the office of your federally elected officials. And, if, you know, I always add politely, respectfully, but decisively tell them, let them know of your support for this and that you want them to vote yes on it. So good luck to this bill. You could sit there. I mean, is it perfect? No, certainly not. You know, there was the original, not the, but there was a proposal a while back to just extend, make it indefinite as many, you know, as many cars as any company could make through 2022. That never went anywhere. So yeah, I mean, this seems like a compromise, which that's realistically probably the only thing that could pass is something that's compromised on. So we'll see. I, I do wish this bill good luck. Next up, Tesla issues their autopilot vehicle safety report for Q1 20,000. Jeez, 2019, my goodness. Sorry, it's very late. Been trying to pack up for this trip, and we got to get up early to get out of here. Oh, my goodness. Verbal typos is what I would call those. Anyway, in the first quarter, Tesla says, we registered one accident for every 2.87 million miles driven in which drivers had autopilot engaged. For those driving without autopilot, we registered one accident every 1.76 million miles driven. By comparison, NHTSA's most recent data shows that in the United States, there is an automobile crash every 436,000 miles. Now, uh, for comparison, apples to apples to Tesla's own uh, data from last quarter, Q4, there was one accident every 2.91 million miles, again, compared to the 2.87 that for Q1. And uh, for Q3, it was one accident every 3.34 million miles. My suspicion here would be that the number got slightly worse, I'm using air quotes, probably because the fleet got a lot larger. More cars out there means more accidents no matter how you slice it, whether they're your fault or not. But it'll be interesting to look at this data over time. And particularly, I think, as the major new autopilot features roll out. I mean, for instance, here in Q2, right here at the beginning of Q2, obviously, as you know, we got the option to turn off the lane change confirmation for Navigate on Autopilot. Will, will that have any material effect on these numbers moving forward? Maybe, maybe not, since the entire fleet doesn't have that feature. You know, it, it is kind of an upper tier thing now because 
base autopilot. Uh, at least every car, every new car will have base autopilot included, but uh, not everybody will have the full self-driving package that that uh, navigate on autopilot is included with. But um, you know, my along that kind of along that line of thinking, though, you know, I think there really there won't be a software change substantial enough to impact these numbers until the urban full self-driving features start rolling out into the cars, which I probably don't need to remind you is scheduled, according to Tesla, to be later this year. Even if you factor in Elon time, 2020 is not that far away. They are coming, those features, and it's going to be really, really interesting uh, to see, just fun, really neat to see the cars start responding to traffic signs and traffic lights and then see what sort of uh, effect that has on this autopilot crash data. Next up this week, told you, we're, we're, we've still got a long way to go here in the news block. I've been yammering for 32 minutes already. Uh, Auto Schweiz. That's, I'm, that's like a very German pronunciation of it. I took German in high school, so I'm still, I'm okay. My pronunciation is okay, not all the time. I've forgotten so much of it. But anyway, I think it's Auto Schweiz, uh, the Association of Swiss Car Importers. This I saw this, by the way, credit to Roger Rush on Twitter. But yeah, the... Uh, that Association of Swiss Car Importers reports that in Switzerland in March, the Model 3 was the top-selling new car, period. Not just electric car, not just a sedan or a midsize or a luxury sedan or any other subcategory, any other way you want to split, split the hair there. The best-selling car, period. Approximately 1,150 Model 3s were sold, topping the second-place seller, the Skoda Octavia, by 37%. That, that vehicle sold about 800 cars. So it's just, it's so wonderful to see Europe embracing the Model 3. I mean, the word of mouth alone must be doing wonders for it there. And the fact that it's smaller than the Model S no doubt helps its case. I mean, I've only had the privilege of being uh, been in a few European countries so far in my life, but in my experience, the roads are generally narrower in Europe, and it's I would think it'd be pretty tough to own a big, full-size car like the S or the X over there. So the 3 seems like a great fit for Europe, and, and actually, I, I mean that literally, a literal great fit for Europe. Well, more good news for Tesla fans outside of North America. Those of you in right-hand drive territories, the RHD orders, right-hand drive orders, are almost here. Elon commenting on Twitter that right-hand drive order page should be live within a few weeks. Deliveries start hopefully June or July. So yes, notice that he couched it, which was a wise move, by saying... Hopefully, but that is a really meaningful update regardless. I feel like I can so relate to the people in the right-hand drive countries waiting for their car. I mean, reading that just flashed me back to spring of last year. Actually, I guess about a year ago this time when I was just wondering like, okay, when is when are the, where's the performance Model 3? When am I going to be able to order it? Where's the all-wheel drive? So... Uh, very happy for those of you in the UK and in Hong Kong and in I know I have a lot of Australian listeners as well. So your your time is nigh, my friends. I hope 
I hope it does indeed arrive when Elon says it does. Hopefully you'll be ordering your cars. And if he says a few weeks, hopefully in the month of May, you are ordering your cars and maybe you will indeed be taking delivery in June or July. I would just, I would set your expectations to July at the earliest. Maybe, maybe go July, August. If he's saying June, July, maybe you should buffer out some Elon time and think July, August. And if it happens to be June, well, great. That's a bonus. Next up this week, Tesla will eventually enable video when parked and connected to Wi-Fi, says Elon on Twitter. He says, all Tesla superchargers will have free Wi-Fi over time. So remember, so this couples very nicely with something he's pre- he'd previously said, and that was that a Netflix portal or app, I'm not quite sure what the proper terminology will be, or if maybe you'll end up just accessing it through the brand new Chromium browser that's been uh, updated into the model, uh, well, all three cars, the three S and X. And then, yeah, so Netflix and YouTube are supposed to be a part of the version 10 software, which, you know, we don't know when that's coming. V9, of course, hit, uh, you know, last fall. So V10 at the earliest would probably be this fall, could take even longer. But, you know, those major OS releases and revisions, they're going to be at least a year apart. But uh, there you go. So that will that will be, no doubt, super cool if all the superchargers are Wi-Fi enabled over time. And what's interesting to me about this now, as, as all the pieces of Tesla and its infrastructure and its grand plan comes together, is... With V3 supercharging starting to roll out, you won't even be able to get through an up uh, an, an entire episode of your favorite Netflix show before it's time to move on, before your car is juiced up and you're ready to go. So it's like, hey, you'll finally get Netflix and YouTube in the car, and V3 supercharging will make it a little bit of a moot point in that it'll just be time to get back out on the road. You'll be done charging. But nevertheless, very, very cool stuff. Uh, More Elon on Twitter. He confirms that the full self-driving computer, a.k.a. the artist formerly known as Hardware 3, can be swapped out by a mobile Tesla technician. There will be no need to bring the car to a service center. Elon saying, quote, mobile can do it, no problem. Now, uh, while on the subject... Elon took the opportunity to offer a bit of context for just how powerful the full self-driving computer is. He said, quote, the Tesla full self-driving computer is now in production, uh, pardon me, the Tesla full self-driving computer now in production is at about 5% compute load for these tasks, or 10% with full failover redundancy. Now, for additional perspective on top of that, he noted that the current autopilot software running on the current autopilot 2.5 hardware that all the Model 3s have, and all the new S's and X's, of course, runs at about 80% compute load. So that just gives you a little bit of a comparison between what the uh, full self-driving computer is capable of versus the current setup. And he uh, went into some more detail, actually, a little bit more detail on the architecture of the new full self-driving computer. He says, uh, quote, two independent system-on-chip architectures with each 
having a system, pardon me, with each system on chip having two neural net accelerators that can perform simultaneous health check calculations to protect against a soft error. Well, translation, seems like there is plenty of overhead here, which was no doubt exactly the plan. You know, there's some some really, really smart people designed this thing. Remember, they had pulled, uh, they had hired someone from uh, AMD to help with it. I mean, they had a lot of really, really intelligent people working on this. So I have no doubt that this new chip is going to be up to the task. And I'll, I'll say one other thing. I'll bet the autopilot software team is salivating, just foaming at the mouth with all of the new processing power that they have to work with. I mean, to equate that to my day job world of video games, it would be like, basically like a video game programmer who has been working on the PlayStation 4 suddenly is is told, oh, we're developing on PlayStation 5 now, and it's got, you know, this much more power, and you can code to that instead, and, there, you know, you just get to run a lot wilder with, with what you want to do compared to the, you know, the older spec that you were using. So good stuff there. Sentry mode. I want to share this. This is actually the last story. So we finally come to the end of the news block. This might be the longest I've ever talked in a row for you know, just consecutively on this show. 40 minutes and counting, but uh, tons to get to. It's good stuff. Sentry mode helped get a thief arrested and charged right here in the break-in hot zone that is San Francisco. So I, I will, I'm not going to lie, this made me happy. And there's a reason for this. I'm going to talk about it. So uh, ABC7, the Bay Area's ABC affiliate, saying, quote, while nothing was taken from the vehicle, uh, Jed was able to, Jed, that's the owner, uh, was able to provide the information to the San Francisco police who confirmed to ABC7 News uh, that they were able to arrest a suspect, 21-year-old Jeremiah Jefferson, on second-degree burglary charges and a probation violation. San Francisco Police Public Information Officer Adam uh, Loebsinger says the high-quality video from the Tesla helped in arresting Jefferson. Uh, Officer uh, Adam saying, quote, It's rare, but we're seeing more and more of these surveillance cameras all over the place now, and we're happy to see that because it's a really effective crime-fighting tool. Now, if you happen to watch the video of this, so if you were to Google this or look it up on the ABC7 website, you see... Uh, the uh, perpetrator's car, Jeremiah Jefferson's car, or maybe it's an accomplice's car. Anyway, it's the car they roll up in. They roll up right in front of uh, Jed Franklin's Model 3. And sentry mode not only got a clear look at Jeremiah's face, but the forward-facing camera recorded Jeremiah's license plate clear as day when they pulled up in front of the Tesla in the first place. So the police were able to use that information to find him and arrest him. And I share this story for two reasons. Number one, to show that sentry mode is making a difference. Did Jed still get his car, car's window broken? Yes. Unfortunately, he did. However, the fact that the perpetrator got arrested and charged, well, uh, I would think make Jeremiah think twice before ever breaking into a Tesla again. Hopefully, in fact, he'll think twice about breaking into any car ever again. Uh, that's sort of, uh, that you know, that's all we can do is, is hope that a lesson is learned. But number two, I share this story 
because I wanted to give kudos to ABC7. By them airing this story, it goes out on Bay Area television and makes its way around the internet when it gets picked up by Reddit and the like. Uh, So it goes out everywhere for other would-be thieves to see. And this is exactly what I was talking about with regard to Sentry Mode's reputation. Sentry Mode itself won't actually stop anyone from breaking into the car. It's not that it's not as if Sentry Mode uh, electrocutes you into uh, a, a, a coma state if you touch the car. That would uh, that would be a different that would have to be a, a different kind of Sentry Mode. That'd be Sentry Mode Extreme, and I don't think we actually want that. That seems like a, a too many bad things would happen. But anyway, um, you know, Sentry Mode's not going to actually stop anybody, but. If word gets around, that's the thing. If word gets around, it might prove to be a nice deterrent and lower your odds of something bad happening to your car. Still, though, friendly PSA, no matter whether you live in the Bay Area or elsewhere, don't leave anything of value out in plain sight in in your Tesla or in any car. Just don't get complacent. It's so easy for, I've seen videos, it's so easy for people to, just break a window and take something if it's right there. You know, just don't leave any valuables around. But uh, nevertheless, just great to see Sentry Mode doing some work. Uh, it, it, it yielded actual results. And uh, hopefully, hopefully Jed is able, was able to get his window repaired, uh, replaced rather quickly. All right, that wraps it up for an insanely large news block. I've still got a handful of Ride the Lightning hotline calls coming up for you right after this. This week, Ride the Lightning is brought to you by Amp Up. Amp Up seeks to build the world's largest reservable EV charging network out of shared private and home chargers, while it also aggregates nine public charging networks, including ChargePoint, Tesla, EVgo, and Blink, for maximum convenience. Yes, that means if you're an apartment-dwelling EV owner or otherwise don't have home charging, this app is for you. Hosts set hours for sharing on the charger, allowing different schedules every day of the week and weekends. Hosts also set the price per hour for using the charger. Drivers pay via credit card and reservations are instantly confirmed for drivers since hosts set up the schedule beforehand. AmpUp is incubated by the world-famous Y Combinator. Its creator, Tom, is not only the president, he's also a client. Tom hopes AmpUp can help get more people over the range anxiety hump and boost EV growth. So check out AmpUp today on the App Store and Google Play. All right, I've got eight calls queued up for you in the Ride the Lightning hotline uh, as Daisy the Boxer Puppy takes a drink of water behind me. I remind you, I invite you to participate. If you've got a question, comment, discussion topic related to the world of Tesla, do call in. You can do that in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record a 90-second question or less, and send that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com or you can send the same you can leave a 90 second or less message ideally uh, if if you wouldn't mind to uh, the Ride the Lightning hotline which you can dial in toll free anytime the number is 1-888-989-8752 again that's 1-888-989-TSLA 
And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put them onto a keepsake. If you want to learn more, visit lifeonrecord.com. Let's go to Aaron from Dallas, is up first, uh, wants to talk about electric vehicles in general. So, Aaron, go ahead. Hi, Ryan. This is Aaron from the Dallas area, and uh, I'm brand new to your podcast, and I am looking at a long-range rear-wheel drive Model 3, and um, there is some hesitancy into diving into the easy world, and um, I, I, my questions are just, you know, if you had some, if you were talking to someone who this is their first time buying an EV, um, what would you tell them? Uh, some of the biggest pros are maybe some caveats. Um, you know, just trying to build a, a picture of what uh, EV life is going to look like. It, it definitely looks like a big um, life adjustment. Uh, so, uh, would be interested to hear your thoughts on that. Appreciate it, and thanks. Hello, Aaron, and welcome to the podcast. Well, it certainly is a big life adjustment, but I think it's fair to say that most of us end up liking it better. It's not to say it's it's better in every respect. There are things that, that you know, it still takes longer to refuel when you're on a road trip. A road trip will take longer, but... Um, I, what I what I what I guess I want to say is <laughs> I don't want to necessarily seem like I'm brushing you off by just promoting another thing I did, but this kind of your call reminded me because actually I got a few emails that were similar to this this week from people new to the Tesla world. They found the podcast and they're just curious. They have a lot of questions, so I thought I would just mention uh, to the newer listeners that I in fact made an entire episode about this kind of stuff that you might find helpful. Uh, it is from back uh, in November. You can find it if you're looking through like iTunes or, or wherever the, you're looking at the podcast. It was between episodes 168 and 169, and it's called A Tesla Beginner's Guide, Buying and Owning Model 3, Model S, or Model X. It's about, I think it was about an hour and a half long or so, and it's totally, it's all broken up into chapters and sections, and you can easily browse through it. So uh, take a listen to that if you haven't already. It should hopefully answer a lot of these kind of starter type questions that you have. And and I just want to say, have fun learning more about Teslas, because that is a fun part. It is fun to learn about these things. Tony from Lincoln is up next, wants to talk about the most recent software update. Tony, go ahead. Hey, Ryan, this is uh, Tony in Lincoln, Nebraska. Hey, I just got the new update to 2019 8.5, and I noticed that my overall watt hours per mile has gone down. It was, I think, somewhere around 330 before, but now it's showing 300. And I'm wondering if that was a bug that was fixed. So enjoy the show. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Bye. Well, Tony, I have to say, I haven't heard about anything like this. Mine is unchanged. Are, are you sure maybe it wasn't weather conditions or anything like that? Because I will share a little anecdote from my own experience. One time, I think, in fact, I remember it was on my way home from the drag strip up in Sacramento that one time, one time so far that I went up with a bunch of other Tesla folks and, and we, ran, uh, we ran quarter miles down the drag strip, which was so much fun. Uh, highly recommend it. Anyway, uh, so Sacramento, it's about 90 minutes or so away, and I was heading home, 
and I was getting like 350 watt hours per mile, which just seemed insane compared to the what I would get, you know, in the 70-ish mile an hour speed on, on Bay Area freeways. And I, I was like, man, is there something wrong? What's going on? But I never saw that again. So I think either I was on maybe a, just a slight incline that was slight enough I couldn't perceive it, and or there was a headwind that I couldn't quite actually perceive as well. I'm not entirely sure, but, you know, I'll keep an eye out in, in my car and in the community, though. So, Tony, thank you for your call. Always appreciate it. Lorenzo from Portugal is up next and wants to talk about charging at hotels. Lorenzo, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan. This is Lorenzo from Portugal. I just got my Model 3 a couple weeks ago, and I couldn't be happier with it. Even after watching uh, YouTube videos while waiting, I wasn't prepared for how awesome the car is. I promised myself that the first Tesla I would ever ride in would be my own. So it was an interesting three-year wait, dodging test drives, etc. And it was totally worth it. Uh, my question slash suggestion is this. I'm thinking of doing some road trips with my wife and finding hotels with destination charging to spend the night and just start every morning with a car charged. I think Tesla should implement a way for users to book destination charger hotels with a couple of taps from within the car itself. Um, a way to make this simple and easy would be for Tesla to provide or even charge directly your payments information along with your name and phone number to the hotel. Tesla could even get a percentage of bookings directly. I think it will be a total win-win for everyone involved. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, keep up the great work. Love your show. Keep it up. Thanks. First of all, Lorenzo, uh, congratulations on your new Model 3. I want to tell everybody, Lorenzo posted a stunning picture of his car on Reddit and then on Twitter, and then Tesla themselves picked it up for their social media feeds. He shot it in a forest in Sintra. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, which uh, Lorenzo says is 20 minutes outside of Lisbon. Gorgeous picture. Anyway, uh, Lorenzo, I think this is an excellent idea. Tesla already tracks these. I mean, if you go to tesla.com slash destination dash charging, it will show you destination chargers. They're also displayed in the car when you press the, uh, the, the you know, lightning charge icon in the, the lower right section of the, your map. They'll pop up as well. So what you propose is not only very logical, but it feels very much like the next step that Tesla just hasn't taken yet. So I think there is a very high probability that they will do what you outline. It's probably a matter of when, not if. Cheers to you, Lorenzo. Kemp from Sacramento is up next and got his hands on the auto lane change no confirmation update and wants to talk about it. Kemp, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan. This is Kemp Stevens from Sacramento. Just really love the show. Uh, we got our update for doing the automatic lane change, and uh, we're blown away by how well that works. Um, what I'm really being able to see now, it's kind of blowing my mind, is how Tesla is going to be able to leapfrog over uh, Waymo and uh, these other autonomous uh, companies by virtue of the fact that they could probably ask uh, the Tesla community if they would like to volunteer to turn on the internal camera. And uh, if the internal camera is turned on, uh, if they could correlate that data, what a person's eyeballs are doing uh, versus their hands still on the wheel. Obviously, you'd have to still require the hands to be on the steering wheel or one hand. 
Um, but that would be, I think, extremely valuable feedback so that after a while they can know um, and or maybe get rid of the nagging completely from the steering wheel vibrating and any chimes. So anyway, it's very exciting. The other thing, too, uh, it would be really nice if they would implement a Mad Max mode for acceleration uh, with this um, with this auto, um, navigate on autopilot because I've noticed a couple of times when I come up to an exit, the cars that are on my right-hand side, my car will suddenly want to slow down a great deal to get in behind the car that's in my right-hand lane. And uh, if they just said, hey, in settings, you can turn this Mad Max for acceleration on, and it might mean that you might miss your, uh, your exit a couple of times, but if you're willing to try it out, you know, just turn that on. And I think that would be a big help, too. I think most of the time it would probably get it because I find mine is very conservative. Anyway, we love the show, uh, everything that you do, and, and just you are a fount of knowledge, and we really appreciate it. Take care, Ryan. Have a good one. I'm with you, Kemp. I'm actually going to talk a bit more about my experiences with auto lane changes later on in the show, in the spirit of adventure portion of the show here after this segment. But in short, I'm right there with you. And as for where Tesla is going with their self-driving technology, I admittedly don't really follow what Waymo or any of the other companies up to uh, are up to, but the sheer volume of data that Tesla has and builds on every single minute of every single day has, has got to be a competitive, competitive advantage. It can't not be. I mean, just since I took delivery of my car last July, eight months, I've got navigate on autopilot, navigate on autopilot without confirmation, and the fact that it can take exits on its own. That's all in less than a year's time. That is absolutely amazing. Let's go to Anthony in New York uh, next. He's got a question about sentry mode. Anthony, take it away. Hi, Ryan. This is uh, Anthony from New York. And I'm calling with regards to a question about sentry mode. Um, I have a 2018 Model S, which uh, during the recent discount for full self-driving, I went ahead and purchased that feature. My wife has a July 2017 Model X, which unfortunately does not have the 2.5 AP hardware and thus she can't get sentry mode. Um, so my question is, when I eventually and hopefully get switched out to the full self-driving computer, do you think it's possible that I could use the chip from my newer Model S to put into the Model X so that my wife would then have access to the enhanced features of the 2.5 hardware. Thanks for all your work and look forward to hopefully hearing the response to this question on the podcast. Take care. Thank you for calling in, Anthony. A 2017 Model X should mean autopilot 2.0, I think. So it's got all the cameras and the sensors and not autopilot 1. Wish I could be more help to you, but the problem here is that Tesla has been very vague about it. They originally promised pretty clearly on their website that 2.0 cars had everything needed for full self-driving. And we can't seem to get a clear answer about whether or not those cars can be upgraded. The belief in the community, and I'm not sure there's a definitive yes or no on this, is that there is a difference in the cameras and or the sensors on 2.0 versus 2.5. So for now, the answer I'm afraid is that we just don't quite know. But if it turns out that your wife can be upgraded, then I suppose 
if you maybe sweet talk the technician who eventually does your full self-driving computer upgrade, maybe your old 2.5 could go into your wife's ex. I wouldn't bet on that, honestly. Uh, I certainly wouldn't hold my breath, but it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility, I don't think. Let's go to Andy from Denver, who wants to comment on Q1 sales numbers. Anthony, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Ryan. It's Andy from Denver calling. This is the second time I've called in, and I was just listening to uh, episode 192 of the podcast and listening to your conversation about uh, the Q1 sales numbers. And as a data analyst, it occurred to me that one take on this that I have not heard anyone respond to so far, and maybe they have and I've just missed it, uh, but I've been doing a fair bit of reading and listening on this subject, is that um, the Q1 numbers were down, and we know that part of that is at least due to the pull forward from the federal tax credit expiration. It just occurred to me, though, that this is the first time that we've ever encountered something like this, like the expiration of this kind of substantial federal tax credit. And I just wondered, you know, in the absence of any precedent for what this kind of withdrawal or or having of the federal tax credit would do to sales, it seems a little bit, um, I don't know if irresponsible is the right word, but there are a lot of people speculating with no real basis for uh, what historically this has done since there is no history on it. Anyway, I just wanted to share that thought with you. Uh, Hope you're well, and thanks again for all you do. You make a good point, Andy. There is absolutely no precedent for this in the automotive industry, ever. Not in the U.S., at least. So maybe the dip can be more attributed to the tax credit phase-out than anybody originally thought, and maybe it'll eventually normalize? I mean, I suppose eventually it will find a new normal, whatever that may be, after the tax credit is completely gone forever, unless, of course, it happens to get reinstated and, you know, <laughs> and, and uh, modified back uh, from that story I did earlier in the show. But it'll be interesting to see if there's any dip in sales from Q2 to Q3, since the tax credit will be, for the time being, phasing down once again at that point. Thanks for your call, Andy. Dan from North Carolina is up next, responding to Jeff in New Jersey from last week about rim damage. Dan, go ahead. Hi, Ryan. This is Dan Whitley from North Carolina, responding to a question by Jeff in New Jersey about rim damage. My question would be if Tesla could ever allow its ultrasonic sensors to judge the distance of how close the car might be to the curb, that may be of some benefit. Just thinking out loud, let me know what you think. Well, Dan, I think you're basically suggesting a 21st century curb feeler. I like that idea. You know, as of now, as you know, the sensors stop measuring at 12 inches, one foot. That's when they yell at you to stop. They say, beep, 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 stop. You know, maybe there could be a parking mode where they would give micro measurements, you know, within within a foot, if they're technically capable of that, which I presume they would be. So good idea, Dan. I like this one. Hopefully somebody at Tesla hears it 
and maybe can uh, implement it. Our last call this week, the honor goes to Tyson from Phoenix, a longtime listener, first-time caller, uh, has a charging software question, charging scheduling. Let's see if we can help Tyson. Hi, Ryan. This is Tyson from Phoenix, a longtime listener, first-time caller. I was thinking about something, and uh, you'd probably be the one to know, um, but have you heard other um, listeners or Tesla owners um, talking about requesting a feature for the software to um, have a, an exclusion time for charging so that, for instance, you could keep your car plugged in but make sure that it doesn't charge during peak hours. For instance, um, the electric plan that I'm on peak hours are 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. I don't want to have to try to remember to go unplug my car at 3 p.m. and plug it back in at 6 p.m. Uh, it would be cool if there could be a feature added to the charging area uh, that would uh, handle that for me. All right. Great podcast. Thanks. So I did follow up with Tyson offline to make sure we were on the same page. Because if you're sitting there thinking, hey, the car already does scheduled charging. Yes, he knows. Tyson knows. But it's still a good reminder for any new owners, by the way. You know, I kind of mentioned this earlier when I was uh, <laughs> plugging my Tesla Beginner's Guide episode. But if you haven't seen that at the bottom of your charging screen, you can program your Tesla to charge at a specific time. For instance, as I use it, and I think a lot of people use it, if you're on a utility rate plan where your electricity rates are cheaper at off-peak hours. Anyway, uh, Tyson is talking about leaving his car plugged in for extended periods and wanting it to basically stop charging if it's charging and hits a peak time. I mean, that certainly sounds like something Tesla could implement because they already have the scheduling capability. They just have to add one extra layer to it. Who knows, Tyson? You may have just put the idea into somebody's head over a Tesla. I hope you did. Thanks for calling in, and thanks to everybody who called in. Uh, if you called this week and didn't hear yourself, I'd like to just apologize. I got uh, quite a number of calls right towards the end of the week. Uh, the show is already getting super packed with, again, those 12 news stories, uh, the callers, and I'm trying to get ready for my trip. So I will listen to those calls when I get back. I will get back to you. Uh, either on, you know, probably the, the show after, you know, the show when I get back. So rest assured, uh, it will, your call is valuable to me and it will not fall uh, into any void or crack or, uh, or it will not go on deaf, uh, deaf ears. It'll, it will be heard, I promise you. So thanks to everybody who called in. Again, keep your calls coming. I gave you the call and info at the top of the segment. I'll be right back to tell you about my experience thus far with the lane change confirmation turned off and navigate on autopilot, and then I'll wrap up the show for you right after this. The Spirit of Adventure, the name I have given my car. What have I been up to in it this week? Well, I got to test the new navigate on autopilot lane change confirmation turned off feature that recently rolled out, as I'm sure a lot of you have been checking this out. Uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I'll give you mine. And overall, it's good. It's definitely interesting. I think it's psychologically, it might be the biggest adjustment that you have to make, again, from a purely psychological level, uh, since autopilot first hit, since the very, since you first tried it, you know, your, your initial experience with it, or 
or when it first came out, which, whichever of the two that is for you. Um, cause it is, it can be a little eerie. That's for sure to just see the car making its own lane change decisions and then executing them. But, uh, I will say it's, I like it. There's a couple things I don't like. Number the, the big one, the big one that I'm, uh, that I hope will improve over time is the time that it takes to go through its entire lane change process. I think it's way too long. And in, in reality here, at least in San Francisco, and I'm sure most major cities at this point with traffic, you know, nowadays, it's just not, uh, quick enough to really work super well in any, in, you know, even remotely heavy traffic. Uh, it works great in light traffic when there's, there's plenty of room to roam in the lanes, but basically, cause you know, how it works as, as and many of you are, are finding out, of course, is, uh, when it's, you know, it's, it's going in your lane and it decides, okay, I, I want to make a, a lane change. And so it'll tell you on the screen that it wants to make a lane change. Then it will, uh, check for your hands on the steering wheel then it will put the signal on, wait a couple seconds, and then go. So by the time all of that has happened, what I have found frustratingly more often than I would like is that that the gap that I was that the car was going to move into has closed, and that there's another car there that's come up, and it, uh, you know, I, are you all out there finding the same thing? Because that's that's been my experience with it driving around Bay Area freeways. It's, it just needs to, I'd like to see it cut that entire process in half, time duration wise. If it could do it twice as quickly, if it could execute all that twice as quickly, I think it would be a lot more practically useful. Now, uh, I, I did tweet at Elon about it. He, he's, he tweeted, hey, this is a big deal. He was quote tweeting someone who was uh, talking about it. And I replied to Elon giving that exact feedback in a, you know, Twitter friendly, concise form. And he wrote back and said, are you on Mad Max mode? This may be too meek for places like the LA freeway. And the problem is, uh, that Mad Max and Elon knows this, he's just replying off the cuff. The problem is that Mad Max only changes the aggression on the desire for the car to make lane changes. It doesn't change anything about the process of the actual lane change itself. You know, Mad Max will just want to make lane changes more often because it is less tolerant of people in front of you going slower than the speed limit that, that you've set the car to. So it's, it's, not a, it's not a settings question. Going to Mad Max isn't going to change that. It's not going to uh, alleviate my my feedback. It's not going to uh, correct that, but I do hope that over time, because I recognize this is an initial release. This is a first release of this function. So it, it should, and I trust will get better over time. And in this case, what I, I want better to mean executing all this a lot more quickly. Uh, the other thing that's bugging me is I wish there were a way to alter the route on the fly because I've run into this a few times. In fact, it happened to me unexpectedly on the way home from work today. I came home a slightly different way, but still via freeway. But it was saying 
hey, let's get off the freeway. I want, I'll take you through the surface streets. And while that may have been slightly quicker, uh, I didn't want to do that because San Francisco streets, it's just stressful. I would rather take a few extra minutes and just sit and let autopilot do its thing on the freeway. So I had to turn off navigate on autopilot. I left autopilot on. I just hit the navigate on autopilot button to turn that off. So, you know, then it wasn't changing the lanes for me. It wasn't doing any of that. So, uh, I'd like to be able to, in fact, my every day on my way in, it wants to take an exit that again, might be a minute or two quicker. Maybe Uh, I've actually done it both and it's pretty much a wash, but the way it wants to go every single day, the exit it wants to take is, is just not one I want because the going that way, the surface streets are in absolutely miserable shape. I want to just stay on the freeway because then it takes me to a, a, literally a smoother, <laughs> a smoother uh, exit. So uh, there's so usually on my way in, I have to turn it off for part of the way too. Or my alternative is to just keep hitting the cancel lane change, cancel upcoming lane change button until I'm past the exit that it wanted that I didn't want. So those are my two big pieces of feedback so far. Now, in, I guess, fairness, for lack of a better word, that second bit of feedback about not being able to change the routing on the fly, it was doing that behavior before the lane change uh, confirmation could be turned off. The difference was because it previously required you to acknowledge, you know, you, you, you had to hit the stalk to tell it to actually make the lane change that it wanted to. All I had to do was ignore that. But with the lane change confirmation turned off, it's gonna go unless, you know, I could take my hands off the wheel, but that's not ideal. So anyway, those are my two big pieces of feedback in order. I think the first one is by far the bigger um, thing to be addressed. And then the, the, you know, altering the route on the fly would be a secondary thing I would love to see. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts as well. Please do feel free to call in and let me know what you think of uh, Navigate on Autopilot with no lane change confirmation. How about a pro tip of the week before I scoot out of here? We've got Matt in Sacramento uh, bringing, this is a tip I use all the time. I, I could swear I've mentioned uh, this before, but it's just too good. So I figure, you know, even if new people haven't heard, if haven't heard this, this is super worthwhile. Matt from Sacramento, pro tip of the week. Go ahead. Hey, Ryan, Matt from Sacramento. Uh, calling with a pro tip. I'm not sure if this has been covered yet, but something I stumbled upon just the other day. The navigation map function works pretty darn well uh, in the Tesla and my Model 3. Um, but sometimes, like if you're searching for something and it's not near or, or whatever, it may have trouble finding it. It can be a little cumbersome at times. Uh, but something I found out that might help is uh, if you go into any one of the map functions, uh, map apps on your on your smartphone. Uh, I have an iPhone, so I'm not sure how this would work for the Androids, but I can't imagine it'd be any different. Um, But Apple Maps, Google Maps, Waze, any of those has a share function in there. So you can search for the place, or maybe it's a contact that you're driving to, you know, a family member or a work contact that you need to navigate to. 
Um, if you just simply select that location or search for it, and then you select the share function, uh, you'll have to scroll for the first time over to the more section on the top screen and activate the Tesla activities. Uh, but once you do that, it'll show up on the, uh, the bar for an option and that way you can then share to your Tesla. And what it'll do is it just says sent after a couple seconds and it sends that straight to your Tesla uh, and your navigation pops right up to your destination and starts navigating right away. It actually works really, really well. And like I said, it's worked on all the main uh, map functions and apps that I have. So hope this helps. Uh, like I said, keep doing what you're doing. Talk to you later. Bye. So again, apologies if I have said this before, but it's, again, for newer listeners, th this one is so useful. I use this all the time. And also, this, is, this one in particular, using this feature, just feels completely magical. It feels, to me, it feels like I am living in the future. When I'm on my phone, and it's like, oh, okay, maybe we'll go to this restaurant, and then you just pull up. And then you just hit the share button in, the, in either Apple Maps, Google Maps, whatever you're using. And then you just send it, send to share with Tesla. And, it, and then you get hop in your car and it's already got the directions to wherever you want to go. It just, it literally, it feels totally magical. I love that one. Great feature. And again, if you want to send in a pro tip, if you've got something that you've figured out, learned about your car, that's maybe not super obvious, a little shortcut, what have you, feel free to send it in as a hotline call uh, to, and again, I gave you the instructions for that earlier in the show. Okie dokie. I think it is finally time to go. It's been a super busy week. I want to start by uh, mentioning the 15% off that you can get if you're a new customer at abstractocean.com. They are uh, one of the premier accessories sellers of, of all things Tesla. So they've got stuff for you, stuff for your car, lighting kits, all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, just browse around there, see what you like. And I advise you to, you know, kind of take a good look and then pile everything you want into your cart at once rather than, you know, making a purchase here, purchase there, because you got this one-time 15% off coupon code you can use. It is RTL Podcast, all one word, RTL Podcast. Put that coupon code in at checkout in order to get 15% off of your first order. Thank you, abstractocean.com, for continuing to run that promotion for people uh, that listen to this show that haven't used the code already, that haven't, that haven't been to Abstract Ocean yet. Meanwhile, Immaculate Reflections continues to uh, be just a, a godsend to me uh, with, with taking care of my car. You know, the paint protection film I've told you about has already saved me twice, in fact, I found from after my uh, trip to LA for the Model Y unveiling, I found a little spot right on the lower front fascia where there was just a little, a little nick out of the film. So like a rock had hit that on Interstate Five, either coming up or going down, and yep, it that would have been paint that had that would have come off without that film on there. So that paint protection film has has been so worth the investment for me. So uh, if you're in the Bay Area, plan on being here, or you, you just, you know, distances of no consequence to you and you want to make sure that your car is being uh, detailed and protected by somebody that, that will just put the absolute utmost care into it, uh, Immaculate Reflections, Jeff is just a wonderful human being, the, uh, the owner and proprietor there. 
So check them out, irdetailing.com. Uh, whether you're whether you want to do paint protection film or the paint correction or maybe just the ceramic coating, which is like you know basically like a super wax that you only have to do once every three to five years rather than doing a traditional wax like twice a year. So whatever you want to do, you know where you can work with uh, Immaculate Reflections to fit your needs, desires, and budget. Uh, let's see. Again, I encourage you to use anyone else's referral code. If you're going to order a model through, actually, sorry, if you're going to order any Tesla, you know, the, the new thing now is get 1000 miles worth of free supercharging with any order. Uh, so, you know, to try to find a friend, relative coworker. But as I say, if I'm the, the only sort of Tesla person in your life, and that's okay. If you are, you know, you're, you're, I'm sure many of you, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are a, a uh, basically like an influencer in your own social and familial circle. Like if you're going to be the first one to get a Tesla in amongst the people in your life, because you're listening to a Tesla podcast, of course you're going to be uh, that kind of person. So anyway, if I'm the only person in your in your life right now that's that's uh, got a Tesla, and you just you got to get those thousand miles if you're going to order your car. So my code uh, is you got to you got to do it when you order. So Type in ts.la slash Ryan73014 in a web browser, and that will take you to a landing page on the Tesla Design Studio. You pick S, X, or 3, configure it, order it, and it'll have those 1,000 miles of free supercharging baked into it. Meanwhile, I'm on Patreon. If uh, I would be grateful if you just take a look at the Patreon page sometime. That is the primary way through which you can support my weekly efforts here at uh, the Ride the Lightning podcast. The site is patreon.com slash teslapodcast, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash teslapodcast. Again, the show will always come to you every Sunday, 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. The Patreon offers some additional perks as a thank you for supporting me at various monetary levels. So if that's something you'd like to do, totally optional, but I'd, I'd sure as heck appreciate it if that is something uh, that you'd like to do. So take a look there sometime. Uh, you can uh, follow me on Twitter, at DMC underscore Ryan. Same, addr- same handle, I should say, not same address. Same handle on Instagram. And my Instagram is literally nothing but Tesla. That is... Uh, that is where all of my Tesla stuff goes. All of my spirit of adventure stuff gets chronicled on my Instagram. And finally, if you are going to order a Jada wireless charging pad for the Model 3, they, uh, they are now, by the way, offering... Unfortunately, I didn't get the information I needed for this in time for the recording of the show, but I was informed by the Jada folks that they are going to offer, they are offering a trade-in program, an, or rather an upgrade program for those of you who did purchase version one of the wireless charging pad, and now they've got version two, which again, I've, I had bought the first one, and they kindly sent me the second one, and the second one is, like the first one's fine, it's great, it works great, but the second one's just better because it's it holds the phone in place better. You can charge it in uh, landscape mode as well as portrait. Uh, it 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 really just feels like a factory, 
like it feels like a a first party OEM device, and that's probably the highest compliment I can I can pay uh, that thing it, from my experience. So anyway, uh, if you are gonna buy one, I unfortunately have not got a discount code for you, but Jada they they're offering they're rather they'll if you use my referral link here to order it, they'll throw me a couple bucks. So uh, if if that's something you want to do, I'd certainly appreciate it. You can order it at getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. And Jada is spelled J-E-D-A. I'll close it out as usual by thanking the Patreon producers. These are the wonderfully amazing people who support me month after month at the producer tier or higher so, uh, DJ Harbaugh, thank you so much, along with Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Matthew Para, Michael Lester, Robert Miracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Marcus Mayenschein, T- uh, pardon me, Lars Hoffman, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Gabriel Salaise, Jerry and Mary Smith, Brian Hope, Bill Royko, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Luxendary.com, Michael Waddle, Daniel Grummer, Blake Wiley, Josh, Jeremy, Jeremy Harris, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Rob Brewer, My Tesla Adventure, Austin Allen, Ron Lee, and Lambert Lee, thank you all so, so much for your continued support at that wonderful producer tier. Happy to give you guys a mention at the end of every show. That will do it for me. I am off. It feels a little weird to be about to take a week off from this podcast for the first time in over three years. But again, I, I really sincerely hope you enjoy the, the episode that I've prepared for you, the best of episode. It's got something that's never aired on this podcast before, and I'm very confident in saying that at least 95% of you, if not 99, will have never heard, because this, to the best of my knowledge, this is, I don't think this has ever been publicly anywhere. Uh, again, it's, it's, the, it's Elon's presentation with, its, with opening remarks by George Blankenship uh, from the Model uh, S, the, the Tesla factory open house event, in October of 2011, where they first gave test rides of the the uh, Beta Model S's uh, to reservation to Model S reservation holders, and I got to go with my friend Jeff as his plus one because he was a longtime Model S reservation holder. We got to walk the factory floor, which was you know not even in production yet, and just see a lot of the machines and the tools and stuff and walk through the paint shop, which you can't do now, uh, all kinds of neat stuff. But this this uh, presentation that you'll hear, that's going to be the first thing on the best of episode next week. So it's about 20 minutes or so. You'll hear that. And, and I, I mean, I set the whole thing up on next week's show, but it's just, to me, it was fascinating to go back and listen to this now in 2019. 99% of what Elon says back then has come true. There's one thing, and you'll hear it. You'll hear it later. Uh, next week, you'll hear it. But I hope you enjoy that. And then I back-halved it with 
the 40-something minute Jason Calacanis interview. And if you're a newer listener, then you haven't heard it, and that's great. Jason's an angel investor, Tesla insider. He's uh, He's been very close to Tesla and Elon for many since the beginning. So uh, it's a really, really interesting interview. Cool perspective to hear from, from Jason on kind of the investor side and how he sees the company. So uh, yeah, I hope I hope you enjoy this the best of episode. Again, I've got my intention would be to do it one more time this year for one other planned family vacation later in the summer, but we'll we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. For now, I genuinely I welcome your feedback on that on the best of episode that you'll hear next week, and then I'll be back the following week, and I will catch up on the big stuff I missed, and certainly get get everything from that week, and I'll catch up on your phone calls and things will be back to normal. But I hope you will, you will grant me uh, this one week off. I hope, I hope the, the offering that I present to you in the form of this best of episode is, is acceptable, uh, and, and I'm going to go enjoy this vacation with my family, my, my in-laws, and just uh, hopefully have a great time. So I wish you all a wonderful week while I'm away, and happy electric motoring. And so, yeah. Enjoy the best of episode next week, and I'll see you when I get back the week after that. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. <laughs> That's what it's meant to be. Well, our goal is to make it's it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. Mm. Make it's maximum fun. 